Let's take our Bibles, if you have one, and turn to Exodus chapter 15. We have been studying through the book of Exodus for a little time now. And uh, Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 24, we will read. Exodus chapter 20, uh, Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 24. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Let's bow for prayer. O God, we are grateful for this opportunity once again to worship and to assemble as your people in this place for such a time as this. So I pray, O God in heaven, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Please teach us. Please minister to our hearts, we pray. I pray that you'd meet each one at that point of need spiritually. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The background to this passage of Scripture is Israel has crossed the Red Sea. They've come out of the land of bondage, Egypt, and they are now making their way towards the land of promise. And here in verse number 22, it reads that as they journeyed some three days, they faced a crisis. Their first of many. No fresh drinking water. There were some 600,000 Israelites, at least. And they had no clean water to drink. So here we find the first recording of a crisis. In this journey from bondage to the promised land for the nation of Israel. The title of my sermon this morning is When a Crisis Comes Our Way. A crisis is an emergency. A crisis is an emergency that needs to be dealt with immediately. It needs attention. It needs action. That is the best definition I can give for a crisis. A crisis is an emergency that needs immediate attention, immediate action. So what can we learn from this passage of Scripture in dealing with a crisis? Because it's only a matter of time 
before a crisis will come your way, will come my way. Maybe you are going through a crisis right now. An emergency that needs attention, needs action. It is the action part that we struggle with. How do I address my crisis? Well, let's note from this passage of Scripture what God has for us concerning a crisis. And when a crisis comes our way, the first point comes in the form of answering a question. When can we expect a crisis? When can we expect a crisis? A crisis will often follow a high point. And this is what we see within our passage of Scripture. Israel has witnessed the power of God. They have crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They have witnessed the defeat of their enemies. They have just had a spiritual time in worship. Verses 1 to 21 of chapter 15, singing God's praises, exalting God, His person, and exalting God and how He has worked on their behalf. So God's people are on a high spiritually. They are encouraged. And all of a sudden, within three days, they find themselves in need. They have a crisis before them. And may I submit to you that often, yes, often, a crisis follows a high point, a point of victory, a point of encouragement. And this is well illustrated here. It's also illustrated in the life of Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, we read of Elijah there on Mount Carmel. And Lord willing, next year in April, we will be on Mount Carmel. And I invite you to join with me. And we will see where Elijah witnessed the power of God, the fire of God coming down in his very presence. But yet when Jezebel, that wicked uh, wife of a king by the name of Ahab found out, she threatened him, threatened to kill him. And Elijah comes off the mountaintop and starts running for his life and to go into hiding, fearing his well-being. See, a crisis will often follow, will be the next stage after a point of victory or a high point. And this is what takes place here within the nation of Israel. This is reality. 
So we need to be prepared for when a crisis does come our way. Otherwise, we won't accept it and we will fail to respond biblically to the crisis. And this was Elijah's problem. He didn't expect the news of Jezebel wanting to kill him. It wasn't on his radar. And because he wasn't prepared for a crisis to come, he responded not as he should have. He's just witnessed the power of God. He'd just seen the fire of God fall and here he is running from the hearsay of a wicked woman by the name of Jezebel. So it's so critically important when it comes to a crisis that we understand that we all experience from time to time a crisis. And often a crisis will follow a high point where things are going great. Life is fantastic. And as the, as the old saying goes, it's all good, Pastor. It's all good. Life's good. The Christian life has its highs and its lows. Mountaintop and valley experiences. This is part of our journey as God's people journeyed towards the promised land. They had their high points. They certainly had their low points. Christian life is not a flower bed of only red, white, pink and yellow roses. There might be other colours, but I'm not familiar with the other colours of roses. That are equal in beauty, but we, we need to remember that that rose stem that holds those beautiful flower rose petals is a stem that has thorns on it. And those thorns can hurt. And the thorns are permanent. Unlike the rose petals that wither and drop off eventually. That's life on this side of eternity. So when it comes to facing a crisis biblically, first and foremost, we need to understand that we can expect we can expect a crisis from time to time, and often a crisis will follow a high point. And this is what we see in the history of the nation of Israel. They've just crossed the Red Sea. They've seen God open the waters. They've walked on dry land. They've witnessed the same God close the waters, address their enemies, and now they're out of bondage. The second point I want to stress this morning concerning 
a crisis, when a crisis comes our way, we need to first and foremost expect a crisis from time to time. And secondly, we need to understand that a crisis from time to time in your life and my life is a is a part is part and parcel of our Christian pilgrimage. Because first Peter teaches us that we are all on a spiritual journey as Christians. We are pilgrims on a road that leads to heaven. And this pilgrimage begins with salvation, the crossing of the Red Sea is a wonderful picture of, of being delivered from bondage in the person of Jesus Christ. And just like the nation of Israel was on a journey towards a land promised for them, you and I as Christians are, are, on, our, are on a journey promised to us to a land called heaven. We are sojourners, we are travellers. Times of testing is part of God's plan. Sorry about that. That's how it is. In order that God might do a deeper work of transformation in your heart and in my heart. See, God never promised absence of pain and suffering, but God does promise grace to endure. He does promise to use that crisis to better you and I spiritually. It was Job who said in chapter 23 verse 10, But he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me. Note, he hath tried me. He hath tried me. It's God that put him through that fiery furnace. I shall come forth as gold. I shall come forth as gold. Quickly note with me in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7. In verse 1, we are told that we are strangers, we are pilgrims, we are sojourners. And note there, verse 7, it reads, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of of Jesus Christ. So when it comes to a crisis, we need to first and foremost expect a 
it's only a matter of time before I will experience a crisis in some way. So as we would say here at Metropolitan Baptist Church, hold on to your ticket, keep your seatbelt on, it'll happen to you. Expect it. Oh, pastor, isn't that being negative? No, it's being biblical. Because we are on a pilgrimage. And God is concerned about our transformation. So therefore, God has to turn up the heat from time to time to bring about greater Christ-likeness. And all of God's people said, Amen. So we can expect a crisis from time to time. And we need to understand that a crisis will come your way and my way from time to time because it's simply a part of our pilgrimage, our journey ultimately to heaven. And as Israel came out of bondage, crossed over the Red Sea, and as they're making their way through the wilderness, on their way to a land promised, this is only one of many. Testings that they will experience. Now, the third point I want to stress this morning concerning a crisis, expect it. Number two, part of life, accept it. And thirdly, a crisis will reveal, a crisis reveals what we are made of and what we need to work on. This is the first of many points of testing in the life and, and experience of God's people. A crisis will reveal what is there and what needs to be attended to. As we've read, God's people are three days into the desert and they struck difficulty. No water, they were thirsty, needy. Now God's people had been accustomed to clean fresh water from the Nile River. They were used to water on tap, so to speak without literal taps, clean water in abundance. That's what they were used to. And here they are, three days in the wilderness and no water. There's over 600,000 of them. You need water to live. And also the Bible teaches us not only was there no water, they had some hope of finding
living water only to find that this water was bitter. Undrinkable. That's bad enough to not have water, but to find water that was undrinkable would have been discouraging, to say the least, for God's people. Deflating. The Bible teaches us, hope deferreth, maketh the heart sick. And I'm sure many were sick at heart at this letdown. Of not only not having water and yet to see a glimpse of hope that, oh, we've finally found some water, only to find that water was not drinkable. My friend, it's only a matter of time before all of us will go through the desert of Shur. And we'll face a crisis and it's within that crisis that what is really there will come out. Will come out. The Bible teaches us there is no temptation that is not common to man. The honeymoon portion of the Christian life, like in marriage, will eventually come to an end. That's how it is. Reality will eventually set in. And just like a marriage is hard work and maintaining harmony within a home and maintaining happiness within a home is hard yakka, so likewise living out, fleshing out the Christian life is hard yakka. Note what Psalm 34 teaches, please. Are you still with me? You're not too hot, you're not falling asleep on me. Do I need to turn the air conditioner off? <laughs> Look at Psalm 34, verse 19. Let's read it together, please. After 2, Psalm 34, verse 19. 1 and 2. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. That's reality. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, praise God, the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Amen to that. But we would hesitate to say amen to the first portion of that verse, which I understand. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And beloved, you and I can expect a crisis from time to time and that crisis is simply a part of God's providential plan to reveal that which we or where we are really at and what we need to work on.
The depth of our spirituality is most evident in the difficult times, not in the good times. Amen, Pastor. When things get tough, it's only then that the real tough ones will keep going and with the right attitude. This was very evident during COVID time. Oh, God, deliver us from another COVID season. Let's erase that from our memories. I'm trying to erase that. But I tell you one good point, though a very sobering point for me as pastor, is to see spirituality come to the surface with a few, but the lack of spirituality on the whole. Very sobering. And I'm thankful to God that God allowed us to go through COVID season to show us all up. And it was a good reminder for me as pastor that, yes, you as pastor have got a long way to go and so do church family members have a long way to go. Because it's during a crisis that the depth of our spirituality will be evident. Now note the difference between how the Israelites responded and how Moses responded to this crisis back in Exodus chapter 15. The Bible reads in verse 24, the people murmured against Moses. He is no longer their hero and mentor. He is now the one that they whinge to. As if it's his fault that there's no fresh water. Instead of rallying around Moses and working with him on a possible solution, they went and complain. They murmur against him. And this is only the beginning of what becomes a pattern within the history of the nation of Israel. So they murmur. But note then verse 25, Moses doesn't react. Moses takes action. Note verse 25 of Exodus 15, it reads, and the And he cried unto the Lord. The people murmured against Moses, verse 24, saying, What shall we drink? And he, he doesn't react. And he cried unto the Lord. Moses didn't react, but he took action. He brought the need before the Lord. He prayed and he looked to God to provide a solution to this problem. So this gave evidence, or this gives us evidence, of the difference between Moses and where he's at at this point spiritually, 
and the point of spirituality within the majority of the nation of Israel. They collectively blamed him, murmured against Moses. But Moses doesn't react, he prays. He looks in dependence to God. And beloved, we need to talk to the Lord when we face a crisis. Instead of pointing the finger and saying, well, it's all his fault. It's all her fault. It's all Albanese's, Albanese's fault. It's all Pastor Shivani's fault. Oh, it's the weather's fault. It's because of inflation. It's because of my spouse. Oh, it's because of my overactive children. It's because of my age. Whinge and complain. In a moment of crisis, instead of saying, Lord, I need your help in this crisis. This is what Moses does. Wonderful promise there in Psalm 55, please. Quickly, Psalm 55. Psalm 55, verse 22, it reads, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. That's a great promise. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. He will sustain. He will enable. He will not suffer or allow the righteous to be moved, to become a casualty. So when a crisis comes your way, you and I need to be mindful that we can expect, not be shocked. We need to appreciate the fact that this is part of my pilgrimage on my way to heaven. And also we need to be mindful that this crisis will reveal what is really there and what I need to work on as a Bible-believing Christian. And the fourth lesson I want to stress from our passage of Scripture here in Exodus 15 is that God always has an answer to every crisis. Amen? And it's nearby. <laughs> it's not that far away. God always has a an answer to a crisis nearby. And as we read on in verse 25 of Exodus 15, it reads, Moses had cried unto the Lord. He had prayed and brought the need before God. God, we have no fresh water. What do we do? Help. And verse 25 goes on to read, And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, that is the waters of Marah, 
the waters were made sweet. God always has an answer to every crisis nearby. And God directed Moses to a tree, the Bible teaches us. God showed him a tree. And when he had cut it down and cast that into the waters of Marah, the Bible teaches us the waters were made sweet. So God directed Moses to a tree. And God told Moses, cut it down, put it in the water. Moses did what he was told. Those bitter waters became sweet. But in order for those waters to become sweet, he had to cast the tree, obviously once it was chopped down, into the waters of Marah. Moses had to make a decision. He had to decide to obey God, though it made little sense. God showed him a tree. He cast the tree into the waters of Marah. What could the placing of a log in bitter water accomplish? Humanly speaking, nothing. But spiritually, because Moses obeyed God and did what God told him to do, God performs a miracle. Those bitter waters became sweet. There it is. When when he had cast, the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Simple. Pretty straightforward. The miracle was a result of obedience. Obedience. And this well illustrates how a person can become a Bible Christian. See, Jesus Christ was willing to be cut down. sacrificed, died for our sin, sin which is bitter, unacceptable to a holy God. Jesus Christ was willing to be cursed or to be made a curse and to be crucified to a tree for your sin and for my sin, and from his death comes life. From the death of that tree, the cutting down of the tree, and the casting of that tree into those bitter waters, there was life, living water. And Jesus Christ was willing to be cut down. Jesus Christ was willing to be 
cut down and cast into a sinful world. And Jesus Christ was willing to become sin for you and I that know he that knew no sin, he was willing to become our sin and pay for our sin. And just like this tree was cut down and cast, Jesus Christ was cut down, he was killed for your sins, for my sins, but God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The life of that tree was terminated and then cast into bitter waters. And from that act came life, living water, fresh water. And from the death of Christ comes life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My friend, for you and I, we that are in sin and are under the judgment of sin and before God, because of our sinful nature and sinful choices, we are a bitter taste to God. So God had to provide a remedy from without. He was willing for his son to be cut down and to be cast into this sinful world and to go to an old rugged cross and to have his blood shed and his body broken. And in him we can enjoy life eternally. So God always has an answer to every crisis. And that crisis, though real, can be addressed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because Moses went to God and he prayed about what to do in this situation, God showed him a tree. And God no doubt told him what to do with that tree. He obeyed God, those bitter waters became sweet. See, God is able. God is able. Even if the solution doesn't seem to make sense, God is able. And on the surface, this really doesn't make much sense. Obviously, a miracle takes place. And may I submit to you, it's a wonderful illustration of salvation, God's way. Humanly speaking, we would think that we've got to earn God's approval. We've got to do, do, do. But God tells us in the Word of God, it's been done, done, done. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He rose again. My doing will not appease the justice of God. 
The Bible teaches us all of our works of righteousness are like filthy rags. At the end of the day, it means nothing to God. So it would seem logical that we earn God's approval, but yet the Bible teaches us that we are condemned before a holy God. So God had to provide a solution. So God the Father cut down God the Son and cast him into the world. And he became sin for us. He that knew no sin, that in him we can be cleansed. See, God calls for obedience. And my friend, the Bible teaches us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God offers you and I a gift. That gift is eternal life. Gifts are for receiving. They are for receiving. You don't pay for a gift. You receive a gift. But that gift has been paid for by somebody. That's why? It's a gift. Somebody paid for that gift. But to you, it's free. See, God has paid for the gift of eternal life. And he offers it to all. For all that will make the decision to receive personally, Jesus Christ as Saviour. See, those bitter waters of Marah were made sweet because Moses obeyed God. And if you and I have to taste the sweet waters of everlasting life, then we need to obey the gospel. We obey the gospel and we believe that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again and we by faith receive this gift of God which is eternal life. When it comes to that crisis in your life and in my life, God, all, God always has an answer to every crisis. But we need to be willing to obey God. God is able. God has the solution. But we need to be willing to obey God. Are you going through a crisis? May I submit to you, obedience to God will turn that bitter experience into a sweet experience. The link is obedience to God by faith. God will show you what he wants you to do. See, Moses had to chop a tree down and cast it into the water. 
And God the Father was willing to send his son into the bitter waters of this sinful world. And because he was willing to be cut down for our sin, we can drink sweet, living, eternal water. Obedience. And then we read on in verse 25, please, of Exodus chapter 15. It reads, There he made for them a statute, an ordinance, and there he proved them. Then note then verse 26 and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. So we see within the end of verse 25 and leading into verse 26 some key lessons that God had for his people. With every crisis that comes our way, we need to ask the question, why Lord? Now let me clarify, not questioning what he has allowed into our lives, but what is the purpose of this crisis? You've allowed this crisis into my life, why Lord? What's the purpose? We don't question God, we don't question the crisis, we ask the question, Lord, what do you have for me in and through this crisis. And within this passage of Scripture, it reads that God proved them. God allowed this crisis at this point of time in order to reveal what was within the heart of the Israelites. Now bear in mind they've been in bondage for 400 odd years. They've been out of church for 400 odd years. They haven't had spiritual leadership for over 400 odd years. I doubt they've been reading their Bible for the past 400 odd years. I doubt they've been praying over the past 400 odd years. I don't imagine they were a very spiritual mob. Would you agree with me? Talk to me. Otherwise I'll turn the air conditioning off. They were not very spiritual. How could they possibly be? When God had to raise somebody from without and bring him in to lead them out of bondage.
and God was showing his people from the start, hey, you blokes are not that spiritual. We need to work on some spirituality from here on. Prove them. And also within this crisis, God reminds his people concerning the importance of obedience. Obedience to God's word, even when it doesn't make sense. How much sense could it have made to God's people if Moses was to say, Listen all, God has heard my prayer. God told me I'm to cast a log into the waters and that'll solve all of our problems. I don't imagine Moses made a public announcement because God's people were not in a good frame of mind spiritually. Moses obeyed God, did what God told him to do and the rest is history. So God proved them. And God said to his people, I've allowed you to experience this crisis as a, as a reminder or to stress the importance of obedience, even though it might not make sense from time to time. And God said to his people that if you will obey me, you will save yourself a lot of hardship. And I will not bring upon you the judgments that I brought upon the Egyptians because of their stubbornness and their unwillingness to release you. And could it be that many of our problems are simply the, the result of our lack of obedience? Would that be true? Talk to me. We can blame God, blame the weather, but often many of our struggles stem back to disobedience. So God from the start was trying to set his people right and God in his providence allows this crisis at this point of time because he wanted God's people to face the reality of where they were really at spiritually and for God's people to see it's important to always obey God even when it doesn't make sense. And if we will obey God, God is able to lead us from a sweet, from a bitter to a sweet experience. The verse 27 goes on to read, and they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water. Wow, water in abundance. 
and three score and ten, seventy palm trees. And they encamped there by the waters. From a high to a bitter experience to abundance. God led Israel on to Elam, a land of endless water supply. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 4, if you drink of the water from this well, you will thirst again. But if you will drink of the water that that I offer you, you will never thirst again. My friend, I'd like to encourage you. If you've yet to receive Jesus Christ, As personal saviour, I'd like to encourage you to receive him. And it could well be the very reason why God is allowing a crisis in your life. Because God wants you to come to a point of where you realise that it's not, hope is not within, hope is without. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. When a crisis comes our way. So biblically, we can expect them. Number two, uh, number one. Number two, they are part and parcel of the Christian life. Thirdly, a crisis will reveal what is within and what we need to work on. Number four, God will always has an answer to every crisis. We just need to obey God. And with every crisis, you and I need to stand back and ask the question, Lord, why have you allowed this crisis in my life? Not questioning God, but asking God to teach. Lord, show me. There's a reason for this. I look to you to guide and show me, reveal to me the purpose of this crisis. May God help us to respond to those times of testings, biblically, for God's glory. Let's bow for prayer.